please have a seat. Let us sing to the Lord a new song. Let us bless his name every day. Let us declare God's marvelous deeds among all of his people. For God is great and greatly to be praised. Let us praise God for his strength and beauty. We will bring God honor and glory as we worship his holy name together. Let us pray. God, your presence stretches to the furthest reaches of the universe. Yet you draw near to us in Jesus Christ. In him you walk beside us, guiding us with wisdom, loving us with boundless grace. We praise you that your love embraces all of creation. Yet you find a place and a purpose for us. Your spirit gives us energy and insight we need to serve you, creator, Christ, and spirit. We are humbled in your presence. In our worship, we offer you our love and our loyalty now and always. Patient God, we confess we need your mercy. We claim to be your people, but we forget to love as you do. We claim to seek your guidance but we follow our own ways. Forgive us, O oh God. Amend who we are and direct who you would have us to be for the sake of Christ, our Savior and friend. God knows us and still God loves us. This is the best news. By God's grace, we are forgiven. We are loved. We are set free to start again. Thanks be to God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take this moment just to welcome you all here and thank you for joining us. For those of you who are joining us online, um, thank you for joining us here today as well. Uh, just do us a favor, if you're joining us on YouTube today, please just drop us a line, whether it's myself, uh, the office at the email, or Reverend Tim. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear how we can support you. For those of you who are here in the room, if we don't get a chance to speak directly with you today, the same goes for you. Please drop us a line. Let us know how we can be praying for you. We want to be a body of Christ who supports one another, who loves one another, who lifts one another up in prayer, in all things. So please, if you need support, if you need to talk to someone, reach out to myself, to Reverend Tim, um, to Kathy in the office, and she'll disseminate that information as needed. So thank you all for joining us. It truly is a pleasure to be here with you. For those of you who don't know, I should have started with this. Um, my name's Jeff. I'm the youth and young adult minister here. It, it truly is a pleasure to be with you. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for joining us. And I just wanted to let you know, because I'll be downstairs when the announcement stuff happens later, um, of an initiative that our mission and outreach team and our youth group are undertaking uh, the, the month of October, so this week and last week. Um, every year around October, um, either around uh, the end of October or around Christmas time, our youth group for the past number of years has been doing a non-perishable food drive in support of the London Food Bank. Uh, this we started last week, and we go out into our neighborhood and we deliver flyers on the first week. 
So for some of you, you've been part of this over the years. I just caught a couple of eyes that I'm like, oh yeah, you've been here for this. Um, <laughs> but we, we hand out flyers and we give people the opportunity to just set some food on the, their front porch and we'll be back to pick it up this coming Wednesday. So for the teenagers who are here, who were here this past week, thank you for your service. Uh, for those of you who weren't here this week, please plan to join us this Wednesday as we run around the neighborhood. Uh, there's about three to 350 houses that we flyered this past week. Um, and then subsequently, next Sunday, we will be doing a Stuff the Van event. So for all of you who would like to be part of uh, this initiative, please plan to bring a non-perishable food item next week. There will be a van parked in the parking lot with London Food Bank on it. As you come in, you can drop your donation in there. We would just like to support the London Food Bank in, in a way that they are in extra need at this time of year. So please prayerfully consider uh, just making a donation as big, as small. If that's too much, don't stress. There's no admission fee for church next week. You're welcome to just come and join us. <laughs> so all that being said, thank you for joining us. It's awesome to have you here. Let's take a moment and uh, continue our worship today in song.
Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 10 to 18. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. Our second reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 and verses 11 through 16. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. 
While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily. Pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive, like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love, like Christ, in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Ancient words for our modern times, we give thanks. Good morning. Well, today is the third Sunday in our For Our Future series this month at Oak Ridge Church when we are uh, working on discerning a new vision for ministry as a congregation. You're probably getting tired of hearing me say what vision is, but it's that snapshot that clear, concise picture of what God is trying to do through us as a community of faith here in the city of London and in this world. As you've heard me say already, renewing our vision together is about finding again our common why of why we do all of the things that we do together as a community, but also the why of our everyday lives, which connects to this kind of vision. So vision is not just for what we do here at church together, but it's also for the way that we live in everyday life. And this is why it's so important for us to know not only our corporate why, but also to allow that to shed some light on our everyday why of why we go to work, why we serve, why we do the things that we do. 
And as you've also been hearing me say all month, that the way that the church has discerned vision is through prayerful discernment, an openness to want God to guide us and to lead the way in showing us what that vision is. And that's why we're spending all of this time this month on helping us to discern God's lead and vision. And as you've also probably figured out, this actually has everyday application in the places where we need God's guidance in our individual lives as well. And so it, it can be implemented in everyday life where we are. And so for this whole month, we are growing deeper in this Christian practice of prayerfully discerning God's will so that the Holy Spirit can guide us. And here at Oak Ridge to guide us through to a new vision of ministry. And so as a result, we are this month, say them with me, we are, we reflect, respond, rebuild, and revision. Because vision is really that energizing spark that can take mundane ministry and turn it into fully passionate ministry. Okay, a little review. So the first week, we reflected. And we reflected basically on how it starts with a desire to be in relationship with Jesus. That's what that's about. And then the second week, we responded. We, we talked about our response to cultivating uh, a heart that is open, which means that there's, there's room, there's a place there for God to have input into our everyday lives and living, even when that may differ from what I want and all of the busy things I already have going on. And so today we're moving on to our third R, which is about rebuild. And so it's not just enough to hear God's voice, to hear God's guidance, but we actually have to let the rubber hit the road, right? We actually have to say, okay, I am now going to do that, and I'm going to set out in that direction. So this is what we're going to focus on today about how rebuilding is according to God's purpose and plan and not merely just our own. So we've got some great biblical characters to check in on to see what this looks like in everyday life. And so the first couple are Abraham and Sarah. And you know by the time we meet them in Genesis that they are already well along in years towards a hundred, right? And even at that age, God invites them. They discern God's saying that they are going to be part of God's rebuild of earth and that through them and their offspring, a childless couple in almost 100, basically, and that they are going to help to, to birth a new nation that is not only going to find God's blessing, but that they will be a conduit of blessing for the whole earth. Now, maybe if that kind of invitation came to you and you discerned that, you might be a little reticent about how that was actually going to happen. <laughs> maybe the least of our questions would be, so how does a couple who are about 100 have 
a baby that is going to be creating a new nation. But still, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't let the questions and the complications keep them from following what God was asking them to do. And so they step out and they head out into the wilderness. They leave family, they leave home, they leave everything familiar behind, and they set out into the wilderness. And the thing to remember is they didn't even know where they were going. It had to be in faith because they had to trust God to show them where that was going to be, that they were going to end up. And the reason that they can do that, even though they didn't know where the road was going to take them, they did totally trust, mostly, the God who is in the driver's seat. They trusted God enough to know that God could do what he said. Okay, let's move on to another character that you heard of today, and his name is Ananias. And this is in our passage from Acts today. And while Ananias is praying and, and asking God to lead him, God says, I want you to go over here and I want you to visit Saul and bring his sight back. Now, what Ananias knew about Saul was that he was uh, killing Christians. He was having them put in jail. He was an enemy of the church. And so, he resists. You'll notice in that story today, he doesn't really want to go over there. But still in the face of the uncertainty, in the face of real danger, and in the face of not really understanding how this was all going to work out, Ananias goes in faith because like Abraham and Sarah, he trusts the God of hope who's in the driver's seat. And that's enough at a point like this. And so through Ananias's obedience, Saul is healed. But you can see how God's influence has changed his view of Saul, who rises to become Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Because in the passage, you may have recognized immediately that even though Saul, he knew Saul to be an enemy of the church, he addresses him when he arrives as what? Brother. He says brother to him. What God, what God asks of us doesn't always make human, rational sense. Yet in rebuilding, it's what God wants that ultimately blesses. But the need to do things our way doesn't die easy. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what one of the reformers said about our baptism. You know, we die to sin, but the old Adam is a pretty good swimmer. We give up our own wills only after much struggle because deeply ingrained in each one of us is our need to run things our way, not God's way. 
And so we have another biblical character that we're going to just touch down on quickly to see how this tur turns out for someone like Jonah. This was my favorite story when I was three or four years old. I loved this story and the pictures that were part of the storybook that I loved having read to me. Well, Jonah's a great example for us about this struggle to give up our own will uh, when God wants something that is different. And so, Jonah, he knows God. He wants to listen for God. He prays. He is even open to hearing what God has to say. But the problem is, when God asks him to do something that he does not want to do. He asks him to go to the Ninevites and to ask them to repent. Well, he hates the Ninevites. He does not want to go to Nineveh and to ask them. And he says later, I know exactly what will happen if I do that. And so he resists, and instead of going in the direction of Nineveh, where God was calling him, he hops on a boat, right? And he goes in the opposite direction to Tarshish, as far away from the will of God as he can go. So it's only after a devastating storm at sea and being swallowed by this great fish and spending three days in the belly of the fish, that Jonah goes through this kind of death and resurrection and gets to the end of his own resources and spit out on the other side, says, okay, you win, I will do it. But if you know the rest of the story, it's not a quick and easy solution. He still grumbles about it. Been there, done that. So giving up our own will in favor of God's will is an ongoing struggle. And sometimes we may do it with clenched teeth as well. But it's especially a problem, I think, for us here in North America and our strident individualism. And some of you who come from other cultures, you can see it more clearly than we can see it those who have birth, been birthed here and live and drink and swim in this individualism. And the impact of this overblown individualism has been writ large for us in recent years. We, we know better what it's doing to us. We've seen our largest democracies almost hamstrung by divisions and polarization. Even now, the U.S. Congress is currently still paralyzed by division and unable to even elect a Speaker of the House of Representatives. But we can find our own Canadian examples as well. We also see churches and denominations torn apart because they can't agree and divided. even closer to home, close in. This overdeveloped individualism is always also doing a lot of social harm. It's dividing us one from the other. Graham Standish is an American 
Presbyterian pastor, and he's also a therapist, and he observes how this lack of, uh, this individualism has actually led to a lack of, of commitment in personal relationships, in marriages, in parenting, and in workplaces. When I believe that my own truth is the truth, then isolation grows and we find it impossible to be able to work together. Well, Standish goes on to talk about how he sees this overblown individualism also related with the high levels of depression. And he's an American, so he's talking about the American context, but I think we can, we can still appreciate it and understand it. He goes on to cite some studies that show that, that probably the US and France are the most individualistic countries in the world. And he says, isn't it interesting that those are also the two countries that have the highest rates of depression in the world? He says the lowest rates of depression are mostly found in lower income countries that value community. He says, while Americans have more money, more possessions, more opportunities, they are also more depressed. As Canadians, we swim in this same North American culture of individualism. So my question for you today is, is that the best thing for us? And certainly if we were gonna ask God and if we were going to listen for the answer through Scripture, then we would hear the Bible say, no, it is not the best thing for you. In contrast to North American culture around us, Ephesians 4, that we heard read this morning, shows us our true north when it comes to being God's people. Because Ephesians 4 gives us our intended spiritual path, which is about relationship, which is about unity, and which is about oneness. This is God's agenda and will. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You have these one descriptors over and over and over again. One God and Father of all. Enmity and strife and quarrels are all associated with our own need to be right and to get our own way. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit that often hangs right there is instead something different it's about, you, you know them so well, right? You'll say them with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's moving from the former, from the enmity, strife, and division to the fruit of the Spirit, 
that describes what conversion is about for us. So one of the clearest descriptors of how we try to surrender this, this self-will and our egos is found in Romans 12. You know, the first opening verses there. And I really like the message's uh, straightforwardness in this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You can read that again. It's the best description of what, what God is trying to affect in us as we surrender our own wills in order to live for the will of God instead. And for Christians, it's Christ crucified and risen that really is both the pattern and the, the source of power for this transformation in us. Because we cannot do it ourselves. This is something that Christ's power can affect in us when we lay down and die to the old life, to our ego, to our own will, and take our first steps in that direction. And then we see the power of God energizing us to live in God's will instead. Because in Christ, we can find this dynamic energy that actually helps to raise us to living in God's will instead. But there's one thing we should remember about the kind of unity and oneness that Ephesians is talking about. It's not a kind of 1950s oneness where everybody has to be the same or pity help you for being different. It's not that kind of sameness. Because believe it or not, what Paul is saying here is that sameness is not required for oneness. Now, I want us to think on that. Sameness is not required for oneness or for unity in Christ. Remember, Paul uses the well-known analogy of the body it's made up of a whole diversity of parts, right, that are all joined and, and knit together. And so the eye is not the same as a hand, and a heart is not the same as a, a fingernail. They're all different, right? But they are held in unity by 
the head that gives the direction and keeps them coordinated. And so our diversity as the people of God and as a community of faith here at Oak Ridge, whether our diversity is in gifts or whether it's in culture or language, whether it's in outlook or whether it's even in our opinions, that doesn't need to be a cause for division. But like a human body, our differences, our diversity, can actually be a great asset when we seek God's will together. And it comes out of our individual connection with Christ. When we are individually connected with Christ, it facilitates this greater oneness as a community of faith. Because we take our lead not from what we want, not from merely our own opinions, but from Christ who's our Lord and the source of everything that we do. And He is the one that keeps us in step with each other, as that Ephesians passage reminded us. This is a pretty unique kind of community when you think about it, a church community. When we are willing to be part of it, it pushes us beyond selfishness and self-focus into a self-reliance in God's love. It pushes us to connect with people that in everyday life we might otherwise ignore. It connects us with God's vision of life, which is to love each other without condition, no matter how different we are from each other, right? That love for each other is at the core and should not cloud us from, from being uh, in unity together, even though there are lots of differences. And our calling, if we take Ephesians 4 as our manifesto, as the people of God, our calling is to be a community of peace in the midst of cultures of division. And I don't think the church has, has faithfully grown into that as we need to. This is meant to be a place of peaceable difference. The church is not the creator of that peace together, but it is called to display it. And the way that we get there is, as Evelyn Underhill, an Anglican mystic from the last century, reminds us, Presbyterians like to think that it's all about education and knowing more. But this Anglican tells us, no, it's not just about knowing more of the will of God, it's actually about doing more of the will of God. It's not just enough to know it. Our spiritual vitality depends on our willingness to take that step in the will of God and to do more of God's will so that like Sarah and Abraham, we can trust God who is in the driver's seat. Graham Standish says that when we can do that, it's like it, it opens this power source in our midst. When we have the faith in the God of hope, even when 
everything doesn't make sense, even though we don't have all the answers, even though it requires some risk and courage, when we open ourselves and desire to follow in God's will, it opens a kind of energy that's like turning on a lamp in a house, and it fills the whole room with light. Because when we act in faith, when we trust God and start moving in that direction, then God can do something. God can do more than we can do. God can make the impossible possible, like He did for people like Abraham and Sarah and Ananias. Think of the, the musical score of your favorite piece of music. You know all those notes on a page? If nobody acts on those notes, they just stay this arrangement of notes on a page that someone like Laura can appreciate just looking at those notes and enjoying those notes. But maybe many of the rest of us, we don't want to just look at the notes, do we? We want what the notes can produce. We want to enjoy the beauty of what those notes can affect when they are acted upon. And that's the same with the will of God. What amazing things God can do through Oak Ridge Church. God has written a beautiful symphony and vision of what this ministry can do in the world for God and for the gospel. And now God is inviting us. Will we act on that beautiful symphony? Will we follow where God is leading? Will we? I think this is a community of courage and faith. Amen? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us bring to God our prayers and concerns for others. Let us pray. We praise you, living God. You are surely the God of hope and life and possibility. You bring life out of death. You show us how it's not simply about our own human ingenuity and power or wisdom, but when we surrender our wills to yours, you open the floodgates of a new power that is able to do far more than we could ask or imagine, that's able to take loaves and fishes and feed a multitude. When we follow your will, we truly discover what ultimately blesses. Continue to teach us this transformative way of Christ, who did and does place the will of the Father before His own, who offers His life as a living sacrifice to you. We thank you that Jesus put the will of God and the needs of others before His own, and that He opens the way to new life through your death and resurrection and your cross, Lord Jesus. So come and show us how to follow you.
how to die to self. You know how our strident opinions have divided us in our families, in our cities, in our nations, and in our world. And we pray that you would help us to be able to rediscover our unity in following you, our living head. We surrender our lives and wills to you. And by your spirit, we invite you to raise us to new resurrection life in you. Open us afresh to the life of your spirit poured into our lives and our community of faith, especially during this month of revisioning. For it is what you want that ultimately blesses. Make us more and more receptive to your will, even when it requires us to change our minds, to change our hearts, to change our course, and to step out in faith when we may not know every single detail. Make us a people of courage, a people of risk, who are willing to sacrifice our own egos and wills in favor of your will and way. Bless us as we gather at tables next Sunday following worship for our congregational discernment event and lead us in unity into greater clarity and vision in your name. We know that we are still prone to believe that our own truth is the whole truth. And yet in grace, you continue to come to us offering to help us in this struggle of surrendering our own individual wills in your service to your will and way. We praise you that when we are able to surrender our wills to you, that you can take our enmity, our strife, and our quarrels, and you can replace it instead with your love, your joy, your peace and patience, your kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lead us into one spirit and one hope and one faith and use our diversity of culture, language, gifts, and outlook as an asset because we know that sameness is not required for oneness. Create in us a greater willingness to live more of your will, Lord Jesus, that you may be our living head. We offer to you the dividedness of our world, our nation, our province, our city, the church, and of our families. We remember those who are caught in the hardship and suffering of war and bitter pain. We remember the war between Russia and Ukraine and pray that Christians who are on both sides of those borders will help to bring understanding, grace, and ultimately peace. We pray for the Holy Land and we remember the war there. Comfort Israelis who mourn the recent tragic losses of terror, protect hostages being held, and we pray your provision for Palestinians who have no food, no water, no electricity. Comfort them as they mourn so many who have died and living spirit 
the source of all hope, use every person who might be open to be your instruments of peace, to bring reconciliation and unity. Bring your hope, we pray, and help us as your church to fulfill our calling to be a community of peace in the midst of cultures at enmity with each other and to be a place of peaceable difference. We pray all this in the name of the risen Christ who has overcome sin and death for us and leads us. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks, Tim. Let us all pray. Heavenly Father, this is the point in the service where we are given the opportunity to respond in a tangible way to you who have given us so much. In fact, your son gave his very life to save mankind from the folly of our selfish ways. The Christian life is meant to be a life of self-sacrifice and service to others. Others who may sometimes not seem very lovable from the human perspective. But the more we reflect on your example and teachings when you walked among us all those years ago, the more we realize that helping ourselves and loving just the lovable is not the way. Father, help us to give sacrificially as we try to follow your example. Our tithes and offerings will now be received.
Let us again bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this weekly opportunity to present our gifts to you in the company of the other members of this congregation. In this moment of generosity, make us more aware of the needs of the less fortunate here in our community and those in the war zones of this world who are even now in the process of losing what little they have. Give us hearts to serve here in the church and in the wider community as well. Bless us and our offerings now and in the future. Amen. Well, again, I'd like to welcome you to Oak Ridge Church today. So glad to have you here, especially if you're just here for the first time or it's maybe your second or third time. We want to especially take time to welcome you into our midst today. We're so glad to have you here. We hope you can join us maybe for some coffee and refreshments. Uh, and we have a little bit more than that today, actually, because there's a few things that we're celebrating here today that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. If you would like to have some fun next Saturday, anybody up for some fun? Sometimes we're a little too serious, right? We could use some fun. And one of, one of the ways I like to receive fun is by being around kids. And actually, this coming Saturday, you could show up here at OPC between 1 and 3 for Trunk or Treat. Now, it's one thing when we have kind of the, the parents of kids who open their trunks and offer candy to kids, but I think maybe the fun could go wider than that, right? And actually, it says something to our kids when it's not just sort of parents and Sonia that are offering this. So I want you to think about if you'd like to have some fun and like some real joy and, and some, see some kids really happy, uh, then show up here between 1 and 3 this coming Saturday. And this is for our neighborhood as well. It's a way for us to build relationships with kids in our neighborhood who will also be invited to come. So, fun, this Saturday uh, between 1 and 3. And, I don't know, the Women's Connection probably might be fun too on Tuesday night. Uh, they're meeting this week from between, at 7 o'clock, and uh, they're going to be doing some yo chair yoga and, and some card making, if you'd like to join them. I wanted to uh, also just remind you about next Sunday. This is a really important week for us uh, here at OPC, and I hope that you'll, you'll continue to pray this week for our openness to God's will as a congregation as we discern a vision for ministry. And in the discernment process, and in our Reformed Presbyterian tradition, having everyone listen for God is really important. And so that's why you're all invited to the table next Saturday. And it really doesn't matter if, you, if you've been here forever or you just showed up this week for the first time, actually, because having fresh voices at the table, too, is really good. And it, if you want to join us for lunch, we're going to immediately go to Oak Ridge Hall for lunch. There's going to be lunch for our kids and for our youth as well. They will eat in the upper room as well, and there'll be a program for them. They'll be doing similar things to us, just kind of uh, in their own, own way. Uh, they'll be covering some similar questions. Tomorrow, you're going to get an email from the church, and it'll help give you an idea of the kind of questions we're going to be 
discussing and discerning on and the study that we'll do at those tables. We're gonna have lunch first, just simply enjoy each other's company. And then we'll, we'll have some questions to discuss at the table and then there'll be open reporting uh, afterwards. And we'll hope to have you on your way by about 10 after one or, or, or around there. And uh, so I hope that you'll really um, take this seriously. You know, the, the more seriously as a congregation that we say to God, we really, really want to hear you speak. That's when, that's when amazing things happen, actually. When we, when we say that to the Spirit and invite the Spirit's guidance. And if anyone likes making soup, I think we're still looking for four soup volunteers. We're going to have some soup and then also some sandwiches uh, for next Sunday at worship, or, or at our, our um, uh, discernment event following worship. I'm going to just invite Jan to come forward to mention about her study groups that uh, she is uh, getting organized. Good morning. One of the things I love about OPC is that we are encouraged to learn and grow together. And one of the things, one of the ways that we do that is to gather together in study groups from time to time as the opportunity permits. So our next opportunity will start in two weeks after the Congregational Discernment event. And our groups are going to study a wise and gentle book by David Benner called Desiring God's Will aligning our hearts with the hearts of God. I'm sure all of us are aware of seeking God's will at times when we're making major decisions or there's change happening in our lives, in our relationships, in our work life, in our health, maybe a move. We're seeking God's will as a congregation during our For Our Future month. We also may be resolved to know and do God's will day by day in our personal lives. But Benner helps us to understand that it is our desire and our willingness to be open to the loving presence of God that is more important than our outward practices and our self-discipline. Reverend Tim used the illustration of taking the lid off so that the Spirit could fill our hearts. And Benner has an interesting examination of the difference between willfulness and willingness. Um, he shares some of his own experience to illustrate what he has learned about obstacles on the spiritual path and the freedom that comes with aligning our hearts, the deep desires of our hearts, with God's deep desires for us. It's a really encouraging read and will be good material for discussion with other people. So the study is going to take place in November for four weeks. You can join a group daytime, evening, Zoom. Uh, there are also audiobooks and Kindle, so it's all available. The books will be here next week, $25 each, and uh, I will be at the sign-up table today so that you can uh, sign up today or you can email me, Jan Bracken. Thanks. Come join us. Thank you, Jan. And I said that we were celebrating. So just a few points of celebration from this week. Um, congratulations, Dina, for graduating from uh, Fanshawe this week. And uh, 
uh, she didn't just graduate, she graduated with the president on the president's honor roll. So we are so happy for you. <laughs> And uh, there's a new grandmother in the choir as well this week, <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> Congratulations to you and your family. Yeah. And also some birthdays. Uh, Robert turned 30 this week. <laughs> and then recently, Mary Leatham turned 90. And, And Mary had this great idea. Well, like, this, this is my family. Why don't I share cake with all of you? And so today we're going to have cake together. Mary's brought some cake for us to share. And also, when you taste that, remember how, how Scripture says to taste and see that I am good? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, today you can do that because Mary's motivation in having cake with all of you is to give thanks for the gift of this community of faith and the, the amazing influence that it's been in her life and, and the life of her late husband, Joe. And so, taste and see today that, that the Lord is good, and we celebrate uh, with all of you uh, who are, are uh, celebrating this week. So, let's, let's prepare to go forth today to be used in Christ's name and will in the world. Let's sing. forth in God's name to do God's will. And this week, whether it's on Wednesday at lunchtime or Thursday at supper time, remember, you are part of a community of faith that is seeking God's will together. And know the comfort of that community around you through this week as God leads us and makes us one in Christ. And be blessed now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>